There we are, Matt. Yep. <laughs> good, okay. Good morning. Welcome to Calgary. <laughs> Welcome to Calgary Business Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, wait. Do you prefer Matt or Matthew? Because I, I want to make sure. Matt's good. Yep. All right. So, look, you're. This is uh, episode number one hundred and forty-seven, and I don't know how many types of gins and uh, alcohol, vodkas you're producing in wildlife distillery, but we'll get to that one forty-seven at some point. So yeah, little, not that many. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Wildlife Distillery. That's the name of the of your company. Yep. yep. Now, uh, maybe just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what got you started with uh, Wildlife Wildlife Distillery. Sure. Yeah. My name is Matt Widmer, and I'm one of the co-founders of Wildlife Distillery. Uh, co-founder with a friend of mine, Keith Robinson, back in it was about 2015, and then we opened our doors yeah. at the beginning of 2017. Um, yeah, so we're a okay. craft producer of Alberta grain-based spirits, and currently we're making vodka, three different types of gin, and Amaro, yeah. and then a few different non-alcoholic syrups, um, kind of tonic and mule syrups, as well as we produce quite a bit of whiskey, but that program yeah. is just uh, in the barrel currently. Yeah, because that, that takes some time, right? You need It needs a... a yeah. To, the gestation period, I don't know. Yeah, maturation. It's generally three years for any whiskey to yeah. be called whiskey in Canada. Um, but we, yeah, we're not going to rush anything. We're we're going to run with the clear <laughs> stuff until we're super happy with our whiskeys, and then we'll start yeah. slowly releasing them. So, because the, I learned that I had a, one of the guests, uh, past guests, was the Bridgeland Distillers. Oh, nice. I, I mean, so the the boys, you know, Jacques and, yeah. and Daniel, they they kind of you probably know them. Yeah. And I mean, they're like, well, okay, so this isn't a whiskey, but we're going to release it. So we call it, is that the Amaro? Is that where you get the Amaro from? No, I don't know which one. I'm trying to think what they, maybe they did like a young or an unaged or something. But the uh, yeah, it was like, Amaro is yeah. like a bitter kind of Italian style liqueur. Yeah. So a different style to a whiskey, but I don't know what they put out. Maybe they're using, I don't know. It's just language really, <laughs> but they're probably put out some sort of an, like a younger version of what will be their future whiskey. Yeah. Good. That's what it was. Cause yeah. there was something about that. The legislature, not maybe, maybe it's legislation, but the control board says, you know, you can't call it whiskey until you've done X number of years. Is that how? Yeah. It's meant to be three years for Canadian whiskey. Okay. Uh, but obviously with a distillery, that's, like a startup is makes it challenging. If you're an old distillery, that's no big deal. But if you're yeah. trying to get product to market and return on investment and that kind of stuff, then yeah, three years is a long time to sit on cash. So but, if you think of that, well, they do. You, you're probably familiar with their unique uh, the concept they have, where they mm-hmm. they're selling the keg or a part of the keg right. or the club. I don't know yeah. the club, and you get certain amount of whatever bottles. Yeah, and it's a, a subscription thing. But that literally, if you think of in, in uh, Scotland, they've been doing it for, for decades, I guess. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it's a big thing over there. There's a lot of, of different ways to kind of skin that same cat in yeah. Scotland. Yeah. I mean, you can buy as like a liquor store in, in Europe. You could buy casks and then do private bottlings and just kind of have your own proprietary uh, like store brand barrel, right. which is pretty cool. Uh, I think a lot of the smaller distilleries over here are doing more like kind of futures where you buy a quarter of a barrel or half a barrel and then that's yeah it's i don't think it's intended for resale it's more for personal use but sure but well, how, how many bottles how many liters or a barrel is it 200 liters or something like that yeah they're in general roughly 200 liters but there's yeah. kind of the factor of how much alcohol percentage you're putting in 
and then the factor of how much evaporation or angel share you'll get yeah. and then the factor of what you're actually bottling it at so yeah the, the number of bottles you get out is really variable depending and the size of the barrel like a smaller barrel you'll lose more to the angel's share through evaporation than a larger barrel really but yeah. is it, what's the what's the typical barrel is it, is it, is yeah, is it an oak liters, barrel 53 gallon american oak yep is pretty typical um, but okay. some producers are going into smaller it seems like it's becoming less common but especially yeah. in the states a lot of guys are going into smaller wood to kind of get you get a higher uh, ratio of kind of liquor to wood so you're getting yeah. more oak extraction but the well, trade-off I mean, is evaporation and i don't think you get a really mature spirit that way so so it's just a lower quality of wood or just no it's a, it's high quality wood. it's just a smaller barrel and therefore yeah. you're getting more oak pulled into your spirit than in a bigger barrel is that does that help with the flavor i i i would argue it actually doesn't but some people <laughs> okay. think that oak equals flavor yeah but like a big part of the barrel aging process is not just extraction but it's all the other oxidation and kind of esterification and different reactions that are happening which you don't just get from oak yeah yeah so, so I mean, look, I've got a thousand questions. So it's, it's, we're going to start. You've, you've, we barely, we barely touched it. We barely yeah. scraped the barrel. What is it? We barely scraped the barrel on that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but look, you, because you, I mean, I love. Uh, if I go back to the grizzly bear, and you're, you're in Canmore, right? Yeah. I mean, I. Yeah. So I had this conversation. I said, Yeah, I remember the days of craft beer. Yeah, the grizzly and the paw. Gri- oh, the grizzly the paw. Meal. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the brewery. And, and all they sold, they were the only ones you could. Find. I mean, not just them, but I mean. 20 years ago when I was, yeah. before I went overseas and they were, and it was like craft beer. They'd have all of the kind of whatever. And now it's just everywhere. There was so actually now, a brewery before them in Canmore that went out of business because they were just oh, really? too far ahead of the curve. It was called Bow Valley Brewery. Yeah. yeah. And it's just around the corner from us. The space still exists. There's right. nothing going on in there, but yeah, Crazy. I think beer is probably a good 10 plus years ahead of where spirits are. Yeah. So you, but, I mean, because the other thing that fast is, is if you take, if you look at the map in Scotland and there's that kind of concentration, you know, the, the water, is yeah. that any, does that impact yours? Because you're in Canmore, you've got that fresh, the Bow River's running right by you there. Yeah. Um, is that? Yeah, I think in Scotland, I mean, it depends on where your source actually comes from. Every municipality kind of has a different source. So it's, we don't draw right. directly from the Bow River. Can, okay. can Canmore's water is from like an underground aquifer. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's highly purified. It's high quality water for sure. Um, and we, I mean, it's it, water is kind of a tricky topic because as soon as you've distilled something, it's distilled water. So I mean, I think the benefits of the water come from like the brewing process. If you have high yeah. quality brewing water before it's boiled or distilled, yeah. that's great. Um, but what we use to blend into our spirits is it's pure. It's like basically reverse osmosis water. So, I mean, to say it's not important, I wouldn't say that, but to say it's maybe exaggerated in yeah. some processes, I would, I would say that. But it's incredible. Cause if you look at the map, it's literally a cluster of brewer or distillers, right? And then yeah. it's like, Nowhere else. I've, I've never asked that question to anybody. Other than, well, I think also but, over in Scotland, the process, like they use the burns or like those little creeks for cooling, yeah. for mashing, for, I'm not sure, like all the, all the different uses for the, the water source. But yeah. they're, I would say the, like the average startup distillery over here is, is a lot less 
properly designed and kind of yeah. placed. Like these are out in the countryside where like it makes a lot of sense to use the natural cooling capabilities that you have sure. access to and you build your distillery into the landscape. Whereas here we're in like a condominiumized building where we use city water, you know, it's not like we have a yeah. creek flowing through the back property of the acreage where we grow the grain. It's, it's a different yeah. kind of model. It's just, I mean, it's the urbanized version of it, yeah. but it's the reality of like living in Canmore and <laughs> trying to operate a distillery. So, well, the, the boys, did, I mean, I think the bridge line went in it because, because you and I are talking remotely. But they, I, I managed to get them under the under the gun before the well, it was a few months, yeah. m- month or so before nice. the COVID nineteen. But like they, they really converted half of this old um, Eisenman's. I think it's Eisenman's. There was a it was a furniture store. Yeah, no, they did a crazy uh, refurb on that space. I went and visited Jack a couple of months ago. Yeah, and yeah, it's super impressive. They well, uh, it's inc- what they've done there. There's a massive one. The biggest thing to do is a blast wall. You probably have that as well because you've got that big, big Bertha type of uh, um, what do you call it? The the melting pot. No, I, I you tell the, what's the term? Is that the the stills? Yeah, it depends what, on their. Well, it depends on your occupancy. So if you're rated, distilleries kind of all fall under the same occupancy rating, which is high hazard. Right. Um, but there's some variance depending on your building specs, like how your building's built. Um, but right. I'm guessing based on where they are and the size of their operation, yeah, they probably had to do follow an F1 guideline, which would mean, yeah, explosion-proof fixtures and fittings and uh, sprinklered and kind of the highest, like, four-hour firewalls and, yeah. Are you you're, – so you, you're right downtown Canmore. Uh, we're just have... out in the industrial compound. So we're kind oh, of okay. two, three minutes out of downtown. Right, so you're not next to restaurants and uh, nope. residential. No, okay. we're in a more industrial area, so we're next to kind right. of retail, like a paint store and a like a framing gallery place. So you you mentioned cooling, and I'm just saying, I'm like, what do you do? Run up the three sisters, you leave the the barrel there to cool, and then you bring it back down. Is <laughs> yeah. that what you guys do? That'd be nice. Yeah, mountain cooled. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we we're limited. It's just like a size, and we're in a condo building, so you can't yeah. just be like put a big chiller on the roof here. <laughs> it's sort of more <laughs> shared space. So we just, we have to use water for our cooling. Right. Yeah. So then it's a recycle. The water's recycled. What do you do with like, is it, does it release it back to the, the Creek or, or the, whatever? How does that work? It's kind of water in water out. No, it just goes back into the system. Okay. Yeah. So you cool it, it cools that and then you use it again. Do you cool the water as well? Do you have like a, a cool heat exchange thing we do yeah we use it to chill say our spirit as we're distilling through our condensers or yeah chill our wort as we're transferring from a brew through a heat exchanger yeah oh wait um, wait wait you use that word someone else did that the wort so what wort, wort is like this wort, wort is just the <laughs> it's essentially once you've you've milled and hydrated your grain so you're brewing yeah the the sugar solution that you've extracted from the grain is called the wort. Ah, okay. So it's basically it, like the liquid form of your sugar. I had the luxury again, that was another you're I think the third distiller now because I had uh the, the two rivers oh, cool. distillery, Mark Mark Freeman. I haven't met and those he met, guys yet, but it seems like they're doing some cool stuff. Well oh he yeah, because he's doing the so we were talking about that. They the Biddley basically I think within a month of opening they, they had to close because the queen you know, oh. since we're on on that, do you are you doing are you doing hand sanitizers for the community or are you doing anything like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. So basically, we closed our retail shop. I think it was the day after St. Patty's Day. 
so March right. 18. Um, and we've yeah, been closed. So we, we operate like a cocktail tasting room downstairs. Yeah. Um, and then essentially right away switch to hand sanitizer. Yeah. So we've been focusing. Well, we, we're producing whiskey. <laughs> this is what we're focusing on. Um, <laughs> but we're making as much hand sanitizer as the market demands. Yeah. yeah. So the, that's kind of been our main and revenue stream since this all happened as everything else has slowed right down. Are you throwing it? Cause I know Mark, yeah. Mark sent me a picture of the, he was literally, I said he had to hand funnel into the whiskey bottles or the, into the vodka bottles until they got some pla- proper plastic small. Uh, Are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> we did a bit of that. Yeah. <laughs> We've kind of, I mean, f- yeah. Packaging currently is still a huge challenge yeah because you want something with a spray or a pump dispenser and those are really difficult to source yeah um so yeah we were we have kind of three different formats then there are two of them are like our spirit bottles 750 mil a 200 mil smaller bottle and then a more bulk like a milk jug yeah plastic jug oh cool and then i mean if people want bigger volume there's you can get buckets and bigger packaging it's mostly the spray and pumps that are difficult to find yeah i mean the refill if you think of like just the the, the soap you know getting that refill yeah. soap and you just yeah get, yeah so you that's can... what we're basically selling and most people have a bottle kicking around that they could repurpose yeah well, that's so cool that's what we suggest <laughs> sounds like you dropped your hand sanitizer uh, i dropped <laughs> so i was just playing with a ruler <laughs> <laughs> so like it's kind of cool i mean that this I mean, the vodka, the gin, and, and you know, I'm talking uh, yesterday, and I, again, I had the luxury of having, a, but they don't make the, the vodka, but the, it's a social, gosh, I've got to get the name now. I've got to get his social name. Light. Yeah, Socialite Vodka, so Dan Beach. And, yeah. and I forgot to ask him who he gets his, his uh, spirits from, because we were just, oh, yeah. I was so focused on his, the, the whole post, <laughs> that, that side of it, right? The, the, the taste. And yeah. The, yeah. So, do you know, you've heard of them then, I guess. I have, yeah. I don't know a whole lot about their production, like yeah. how they produce their products, but I'm assuming, you said he doesn't make the vodka. I'm assuming it's a neutral grain spirit that they would source and then yeah. just blend blend and carbonate and can. Yeah. You, guys, a, you guys all know this, this, this lingo. It's like, I'm thinking, my gosh, I'm, a, I'm an accountant. I worked in oil and gas. And then, you know, I don't, these things, I get, I get excited because this is such, it's not yeah, like, it's, it's really it's cool. It's a booming industry. The, the ready to drinks are are definitely exploding. There's a lot of new brands, and I'm sure SoCal or Social Light, however yeah. you say it. Yeah, so, doing, that's right. Social, seems like they're doing really well. He uses Social, if you look at his. But I, I, I found him on Instagram, kind of like I found you, uh, just your ads that you're running. But yeah. it's that, you know, that kind of visuals that you get. Because today, and even with this COVID period, it's more important to get that visual. Because if the people can't be do the tasting, right? You can't. You, you close yeah. your retail tasting. No, exactly. And every liquor store where we were doing tastings and all the big events aren't happening. Yeah. So we're usually pretty active out doing, say, like Calgary Beer Fest, which was supposed to happen at the start of May. Right. Big multiple thousand person event. We would be there pouring and tasting. But yeah, you can't. They're not doing those for the near future. So you, 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 got your, you cut your teeth, I guess, in Banff. I looked at looking your... Yeah, I grew up in Banff. Yeah. So that was my... My dad ran or still owns and operates a restaurant there called Ticino's, a yeah. Swiss Italian restaurant. Is that um, the one right on next to Shell, just up the road from Shell? You know, on the right-hand side uh, there? Or no, no, that's not. No. Okay. Just, to think of which one you're thinking of. Just If you literally just go to a block after the Shell on the right-hand, as you're coming into Banff Town, we ate there for, we were there just before Christmas. And it was a kind of a, a 
yeah, anyway, so it was a Swiss, but it was more of that uh, with a cheese, a dip to cheese. Oh, could it. have been the Grizzly House. No, Grizzly was House is right further on? down. For, Grizzly House is more, you know, by the main main house. Yeah. The main we we ate there as well. Like, oh, it was a different that shell. Yeah, actually, they, Sorry, they, I was they, thinking of the other shell. They renovated and then they um, they opened. We were there in October. They renovated and they said, "Oh, we're closed, but we'll open it around Christmas." And yeah, then, that's it. Okay. So that's, was it, it was Europe, like Swiss, <laughs> Italian, authentic European. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fondue. The they had the fondue. Yeah. And we did the yeah. fondue. Grizzly House nice. does the other. Grizzly does it as well. They do it. Yeah. Those the other fondue places. All right. So where's your dad's, where's your dad, or the place you worked at? 12 that's years. The, what's that? That's Where yours. You did, yeah, that's it. You just yeah. renovated and opened up. Yeah. They generally close in November for a few weeks for yeah. some minor renovation cleaning staff holiday yeah i mean 20 years ago november was dead in banff no one was around right and they just kind of kept that going even though today well probably not obviously this year but last year it's probably worth it now to be open in november but in the previous decades it was a good time <laughs> to close and take yeah. a break before the christmas season what's that so, so yeah he's had that for over 40 years now wow so yeah. that's a small world so you because we we were we were just talking about all the nostalgia with the ski i think the girl that was serving us she was a skier and it was just i talked a bit skiing i mean she's my daughter's age but you know you're just sitting there i think there was some stuff on the the nostalgia on the wall ski history for sure well now the so my sister's married a ex-olympian louis pierre heli okay and he competed for canada at the olympic level in alpine and ski cross and so there's tons of ski memorabilia and athletes and my brother and sister used to compete olympically for yeah. uh, cross-country skiing wow. so that we would always host the teams and the coaches and the trainers and wow yeah, it's, it's a it's been a cool uh well if you grew up you grew up there because you've got the right where you yeah. live now you've got the from the olympics the 88 olympics there's that whole cross-country yeah. yeah, done the up Nordic there center exactly yeah. That's what, that's where they would train most. That's they lived in Canmore and trained there all the time. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. But we're here to talk. Look, we're here to talk wildlife yeah. distillery. So what, yeah, yeah. what, what prompted you? Because this is, these are going back four or five years ago, kind of ish, right? You were in yeah, Banff. And it went, was just kind of a timing thing. It was so I was living on Vancouver Island in yeah. Tofino, and I had a friend who was in business. I took kinesiology in school. Yeah, you, so you went to UVic, totally. Right? Yeah, I went to UVic and then I was living in Tofino, just kind of surfing and living the no surf way. life out there, which was great. No way, dude. But I had a, yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. That's awesome. I had a buddy who would, he was in business and we would get together, I don't know, once every month and just talk about spitball business ideas. And yeah. we were both kind of in that point of our lives where we could have some freedom to do something unique. And the, the idea came up and of a dis- it actually started as bottled water, which we thought was pretty boring. So we were like, well, what can we do that's yeah. more interesting than bottling water? Um, and then a distillery came up. And this was 2006, I'm pretty sure. Wow. So then I went to, or no, what year was that? 20. No, sorry. It was 20. It was right after university. So it was 2010. Yeah. Um, went to Chicago and did a spirits course. And then came back, was all jazzed, but was kind of not at all in a position to be able to do anything with it. So went back to restaurants and then moved back to Banff and yeah. worked for my dad for, I think I said, I'll give you five years if you want me to come home and help out. Sure. So he said, sure, that'd be awesome. So did that and learned a lot of kind of behind the scenes, running a small business aspect of uh, this part of it. Right. And he kind of let me take the wheel and 
drive the bus for a few years, which was awesome. And then, yeah, the opportunity in Alberta changed. Basically, the laws changed. Um, so you took your course, but so the course was a little bit before your time, in, in a sense. Yeah, you, yeah. The legislation wasn't ready for you to At open up. At that point, you couldn't do it in Alberta when I took this course. Yeah. But you could in BC. Oh, okay. I, I had seen a couple of these things popping up in BC and was like, okay, this is kind of cool. How come, how come you can't do it here? Yeah. And I actually have some funny old emails that I sent to the AGLC like way back then. <laughs> With just no idea what I was talking about. But they were like, yeah, we're looking at these issues and considering it. And then they must have got some legitimate pressure from somebody yeah. bigger, higher up than me to, to kind of move the needle <laughs> on it. Which I'm thankful for. I'm in Banff. One, yeah. I'm one lone voice in Banff. Yeah, but I'm sure there was a bunch of little birds in their ear chirping to say that this yeah. is a legislation that should change. So when was that? Um, two, so 2015-ish then or before you opened? Yeah, so then 2014, two? they changed the law. Okay. So at that point, before then, you had to basically have, a, it was like 250,000 liters of absolute alcohol production to get a license, which translates into like over 500,000 bottles a year. Jeez. Um, just to get in. So it was a huge... Barriers the enter, huge barrier. Yeah, you're basically not opening unless you're a big <laughs> ethanol plant. So there was three or four of those. I'm sort of laugh, but it's pretty it. funny. <laughs> unless you're a huge ethanol plant. But that, well, that, that was the reality of it. <laughs> well, that, but did, they dropped that number to zero. It's not like they just reduced it. Yeah. They went to, there's no minimum wow. anymore. So now you could be a mom and pop little shop and be a craft distillery, which was great. And at that point, I was like, whoa, okay, I'm back in Alberta this just changed and I'm kind of coming up on this five-year commitment at yeah. the restaurant. And that was when I got, uh, started planting a bug in Keith's ear about it. Yeah. And over the course of a summer, I think. Were you guys slowly... surfing together in Tofino or what? Yeah. We've done a lot of trips and surfing and yeah. he, he lived in Vic as well when we were going to school. Yeah. He went to school out there as well. Um, and we've, yeah, we've been friends for a long time. And then, remind yeah. me of that story we just watched on Netflix a few weeks ago. The the girl with the one arm, she like she was incredible. Oh, uh, Bethany. She, yeah, Hamilton. Yeah, she's amazing. Like literally, it's she's like ripping. The the whole she yeah. went she got back on the board and and literally was she could have just been she could have won yeah. that some kind of tour. They did this pro tour. I mean, it's incredible yeah. story. She still rips like she still competes at a really high level. That. Yeah. <laughs> Tofino, does it right? Because you saw some of the waves, right? And you, yeah. you, you've seen the video. It's kind of like one of those ski films, Warren Warren Miller ski films, <laughs> literally, yeah. right? Because she's she's doing those waves that curl over, and she comes yeah. out of the, the barrel. Is it called? Yeah, yeah. That's she's. Incredible. I think she lives on Hawaii, so she's surfing. Yeah, she yeah. surfs pipe and some heavy waves. Pretty pretty cool. I, I think star. I think I sh- you guys should do a retro with um. You got to do a Sean Penn retro, you know. And just <laughs> with the distillery and do yeah. some com- do some commercials like that. You'll get a lot because you're a surfer. You're doing yeah. Want, but you just so need a cannabis play in there. Yeah, <laughs> we just need a budget. Is what we need. <laughs> now, come on, you can do all this stuff for free. You can do a lot of the vid- <laughs> yeah, the vid- yeah. Anyway, it just but- takes time. Yeah. Well, no, I but- literally, you know, Matt. I'm, really, thanks for getting me on today or having have coming on the podcast today because it's oh, yeah. it's it's exciting time. I mean, I, I guess you pivoted. You've done some pivot yeah. yep. for COVID nineteen. Yeah. Big time. Um, what 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 spirits would be in the future? Can you reveal some of the secrets? I mean, I, I that's a yeah. big, I guess, a big playing field out there. Yeah, I mean, the biggest, the hardest thing about this industry, I think, is staying focused because there's so many carrots just hanging all over the place. Yeah. In terms of like ready to drinks, for example, 
is like something that we know we should and could have done from the beginning, but we've kind of committed to building a spirits brand from like focused on spirits from the ground up. And that's, that's something we'll pursue down the road, but it doesn't make sense for us because that would just, it could potentially just take all of our production capacity to make those products. So what what do they call you? You mentioned the ready Uh, to, ready to drinks. Yeah. RTDs. RTD. what people call them. And what is it? What's the different? What does that mean? Like a little kind of a... Well, it's a vodka soda. It's a gin and tonic in a can. Oh. You know, it's social light. It's yeah. nude and neutral in those brands. Nude, yeah. Because nude. Yeah. Vo- they were, the neutral vodka got on the hockey yeah. games. They were on the hockey games a neutral, lot. Neutral, yeah. The company actually just sold, I think, to, I want to say Sleeman. They right. sold, yeah. So, I mean, that was their approach, and I guess it worked for them. But seems we're, the marketing, I mean, they really hit them. small, like... We're a small company. We're we're not backed by a bunch of cash, and we don't have big big budgets for advertising. Maybe they didn't either, but um, we're just like I'm I'm saying is we're focusing on fewer products for now yeah. and just doing them properly, yeah, and doing them well, and then building out really slowly from there. So I guess you, I mean, this is a common theme I've heard is a lot of people have pivoted. You pivoted into the, the hand sanitizer, yeah, and the you know that openness is going to change in the post-COVID period. I guess having hand sanitizer now, you, you literally can have, you know, that cleansiness available and you can show people that when you open again or, you know, that, but things yeah. will change, right? How you, those tasting, the big events, that's going to change for a while going forward. Yeah, we don't really know what to expect. It'll be interesting. I mean, there'll be all kinds of new measures for probably occupancy and distance and yeah. tasting regulation. I don't know. Like, I, that's going to be really interesting. I don't see how they could just let somebody pour you a tasting and here you go. <laughs> it seems well, like, like that might be changed or I don't know. It's going to have to. That's how like a bar works, you know? That's no different than getting a drink poured out of a cocktail bar. Yeah. Well, I guess that'll still have to be allowed, but. Well, I guess they'll, they'll have to, you know, again, it's the same thing, the passing of drinks and making sure everybody's adhering to some kind of sanitizer, having that. Instead of a bar of peanuts or a bowl of peanuts, yeah. you're going to have a bowl of hand sanitizer to dip yeah. your hand in, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, or or well. rubber gloves. Rubber gloves at the bar. You worked in a restaurant for a while. Yeah, That's I know. Gonna... It's just going to change the whole experience. I, I feel really uh, bad for the restaurant industry. I just It doesn't look like a really pretty picture that's going to be painted. Well, on an industry that's already so stretched with yeah. labor cost and food costs that I kept right. climbing the last little while and commercial rent, you know? Yeah. Well, just the whole the experience, like the customers, I mean, literally I came yeah. back to Calgary and there's restaurant. We went to Banff, it was back to the Banff thing. You know, there's just so many, new re- Melissa's was there. Aardvark's, Aardvark's yeah. is still there. Right. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. Oh God, I got to tell you the story. Cause we were there at new year's. We did the New Year's and we walking around with, with my daughters and the boyfriends and there's Aardvarks and there's the, the world's best uh, pizza. Or no, it was a poutine. I think they have a sign on their window. It says world's best. Aardvarks does? Yeah, Aardvarks. Yeah, yeah they, they put a... that up at midnight. They won't put it up before then. Is that right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, they, they, so literally we walked in about 12.30, 1 o'clock. And because I said, you got to go and do it. So if you, if you remember the movie Alf. And yeah. the world's congratulations, the world's best cup of coffee. It was. So he popped, Elf popped into that. So I said, you got to go, you got to go and do it. And the guy got, some kid got mad. He's like, get, get, get out of here. Because he was like, well, he used a little bit of expletives on that one. But it was like, uh, it was just perfect. 
The, okay. Congratulations. But I think it was a poutine, something to do with a poutine, but anyway. Yeah. But you know, works, I don't know. That's they've like been there a late for, night joint. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've been there for yeah. decades. Come on. You, oh, yeah. you, you oh, grew yeah. up in Bath. They were there when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. And same with Alyssa's and all that. But anyway, anyway Matt, yeah. really, thank you so much for uh, getting on the podcast. Oh, I don't yeah. know what else. Did I catch everything? Did I miss? Did I, is there anything I missed that you wanted to say? Uh, I don't know. I guess it's just like the future of craft distilling or what does the industry look like post COVID? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting what happens with the hand sanitizer. Cause in my eyes, like every business is now going to require that. And every, yeah. most people are going to, it's going to be an item that was before in one in 20 persons purse or back yeah. is now in like 18 out of 20. Isn't that crazy? You know? So it's like, they've they've issued these licenses to everybody for kind of the duration of COVID. But yeah, if there's a demand for that, hopefully they'll be extend those for a way for distilleries to kind of diversify what they're doing. Could I you mean, the big boys you, will catch up? I'm sure at some point yeah. the Purells and the the big producers will they'll get back in stock and they'll get their prices down and they'll compete. But yeah. On the other hand, it's for example, in the Bow Valley, all the big hotels, like they like having local products for their guests. Sure, know? sure. So I feel like there'll be a market for hand sanitizer for the next nice. five years at least. Actually, that's a good, that's a good point, actually. So, so do you need, I mean, obviously you're, you were geared towards a certain amount of liters per year in, in, in the spirits. Yeah. So would you need to upgrade your equipment or you just shift the production and, and just alternate between alcohol and, and no sand? so for the hand sanitizer we're purchasing spirit so we're not using our vodka we were in the beginning just because you couldn't get any ethanol um, yeah. but we have the the user license to buy in bulk ethanol basically it's it's the same stuff like ngs neutral grain yeah. spirit uh, and it's just a way more economical way to do it it doesn't make sense for us to be selling a premium so who sells it like a plant is it like one of the big yeah there's big factories that sell it and they sell it comes in like a thousand liter tank and then you blend it from there so does it come from i mean because i'm going back to my oil and gas side the ngl it literally is a byproduct yeah Yeah, from the hydrocarbons big separator they have these big big columns that separate it out yeah Yeah. i'm sure you get a lot of the concepts (laughs) if you went and visited one of these places a lot of guys who tour our distillery with oil and gas backgrounds are like, oh, yeah, this is just like a separator. It's yeah, all yeah, based yeah. on well, temperature. And you just Because well, you said the heat exchange. I thought of the yeah. heat exchange when you, you know, you're cooling because I lived in the Middle East. And a yeah. big part of a lot of those the GT, uh, GTLs or gas liquids yep. is that whole heat exchange and cooling down and, and heating yeah. up. And, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Matt, so, thank you for right. bringing me into Canmore. I, le- I literally, because I mean, I, I have fond memories. I grew up in Calgary, of course, but it, you know, and, and went overseas for eighteen years. But coming back to Banff, and it's just you know the you know I mean you yeah. soon as you come, soon as you come around Lacta Arcs, and what yeah. the, you know you literally and you come around and you see three sisters and you know yeah, the it's a nice, nice yeah. part of the world. That's why we're here. <laughs> we're not here. I it feel makes I'm there. Sense to operate a distillery here, we're here because this is where we want to be. Yeah. Well, you and you've got something you enjoy doing, and as you said, you—it's incredible though. You went to Chicago, and then you suddenly you, you couldn't do that course. It was like, Dad, I can't, I can't open my distillery now. Let's. Yeah. But you kind of, you probably it was got just to, kind of getting some information and learning a bit of, just yeah. dipping my toes in the water to make sure that it was as interesting as I thought it was, and yeah, it's a pretty, That's, it's a cool industry. 
Well, Matt, thanks yep. so much, and, and really stay safe yep. and, and good luck with things, and we'll we'll stay tuned on, okay. on the the wildlife front. Sounds good. Thanks, Alan. And if you're, you're in Canmore, swing by to say hi at some point. Absolutely. Once we're man. all allowed to do so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right, take, take care. care. Yep. Yep. Bye.